today's episode of Holly Weird Paranormal. Built in 1924, the Cecil Hotel was known as a destination for business travelers and tourists. But within five years of its opening, the U.S. sank into the Great Depression. Within time, the hotel's neighborhood fell through a rapid decline, calling the neighborhood Skid Row. The hotel has seen up to 16 unnatural deaths and has housed up to two serial killers. Is there a curse attracting such negative energy or an underlying evil connection to these gruesome deaths? What happened on January 31st, 2013 to Elisa Lamb? This is the true crime and paranormal aftermath of the Cecil Hotel. Hey guys, welcome to Holly Weird Paranormal. We are your hosts, Tammy Merhap Chavez. Hello, I'm Bryce Mitchell Williams. And welcome to episode two. So you heard it in the intro. We're going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel. Yes. And I mean, trying to come up with a topic for <laughs> this episode, it was just too overwhelming because the hotel itself is its own entity. Yes, it really is. I mean, <laughs> I know last week we talked a lot about American Horror Story. Yes. And this week it's sort of got some American Horror Story tie-ins. Yes. So this is not an American Horror Story podcast, no. but we keep touching on it because it's so juicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is why the creators of American mm-hmm. Horror Story, they keep on going back to the history of Los Angeles, yes. which is what ex- inspired us to do this podcast. Yes. Because there's so much history, not in Hollywood, but also in Los Angeles and totally. everywhere else in California. So uh, let's... It- yeah. I guess jump into it. Yes. But first up, Bryce, how was your 2018? Happy New Year. Yes. <laughs> I know. Happy New Year to you all. Hey. I, we were recording on the day after New Year's Day, so probably when this goes up, it's like way past yeah, that. Yeah, it's February. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Um, I was good. How was yours? It was it was chill. It was very chill. I think that has been the theme. I feel like everyone I've talked to is like, it's really chill this year. Yeah, I didn't want to do anything. It's just. It was just a way to close out such a beast of a year, such a somber year. I think it's that adage of like out like a lamb because the rest of the year has been such a hellacious hellfire. So less is more, I think. (laughs) I I agree. Oh, trust me. I agree. But no, it's like when you're also in your mid 30s, too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you've already done all the partying, especially (laughs) being here in L.A. and living here for the past. Oh, my God. Almost now will be nine years of living in LA. I moved here in 2009, but I remember the very beginning. You're a seasoned veteran. I I still don't remember a a few years of celebrating here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're a little dismal, but Mm -hmm. now it's more like, hey, let's go cook dinner, you know, at a friend's house or have a host or host a dinner here, here in our apartment and just drink and eat and be merry. That sounds ideal. And then go to sleep. And then wake up and have the leftovers and mm-hmm. just vegetate on the um, the couch and that's yeah. it. Yeah, that is. I was talking to my sister who's younger than me, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna go out." And she lives in Ohio. Um, she said, "We're gonna go out. We're gonna like go to this restaurant that we all love and go to this bar. Like, we're gonna have a really good night." I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, yes, generational <laughs> differences. I'm doing none of those things. <laughs> but Ohio always sleeps. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she lives in Columbus, so it is still like a pretty cool place, mm-hmm. but it is nice because it's even the busiest time is like a smaller scale, mm-hmm. so you can still like get around and maneuver and 
LA, man, it's just so expensive on New Year's Eve, and you can't Ugh, get anywhere. And I know. The Uber surcharges are out of control. Like yes, mm. a friend of mine last year was charged the surcharge, like the the mm-hmm. surge, uh, three hundred dollars. Oh no! At two a.m. And you're drunk, so of course you just say yes. Yes, yes. She was. Uh, she woke up the next day and noticed a humongous charge, oh. and she was thinking, "Wait, what the fuck?" You know what happened? She uh, she was trying to make sure, like, was this a bar chart? No, yeah. it says Uber. <laughs> it says Uber. Oh my gosh! And it was a big, big ordeal for her. She eventually got her money back. She was lucky, but yeah. it was just unreal. It well, was I'm so always astronomical. really paranoid, and this is just a tiny peek into the neuroses that is just pinging around my head. Um, I'm always afraid when I'm drunk in any kind of like ride sharing, like what if they take a longer route and I'm too drunk to realize it and they're just like looping around my house. Like how would you know? Right. And that's not very rational, but it is such a scary thought to me. Like It is because there are some crazy Uber drivers. I know that. I've seen them run the lights. (laughs) I know. Have that weird, you know, small talk with you mm-hmm. in the car when you're sitting in the back seat and you purposely have your headphones on because yeah. you just kind of don't want to talk or associate at that yeah. point. I've had many a life flash before my eyes <laughs> in an Uber. It's terrifying. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Same here. So I guess let's jump into yes. the meat of the story because we do have a lot to talk about yes. with this with this place. So uh, first off, um, to kind of ease you guys in. Mm-hmm to the history of the area and especially for you Bryce because I was Mm -hmm. telling you about all this stuff that happened in LA Mm -hmm. way before the Cecil Hotel was built and this is for everyone else too but you have to understand like what we uh even conversed about in our first episode about Hollywood, how it was a town built on an industry. Mm-hmm. And there's literally like blood, sweat, and tears, layers, thick, thick layers of broken dreams and hmm. all these energies that are just suppressed and buried in this earth here. Mm-hmm. And how that just kind of seeps and makes its way out into this, you know, crazy city that we live in. And in the very beginning, um, Los Angeles uh, in the early 1800s was uh, a settlement place. People from everywhere, from all over the place were coming here. You had Chinese and Dutch immigrants. You had Spanish influence here as well. So in the area of downtown L.A., in the early 1800s, we had what is called the Massacre of Chinatown of 1871. Which is just like the best title. (laughs) I read this report in the LA Times months ago mm-hmm. and it was a it was a really great article and it talked about what happened in 1871 and it kind of correlates with kind of what's going on right now because this is pretty much what happened guys cliff notes 1871 downtown LA uh, it was an area called uh, La Calle de los Negros, and I am not going to translate it because it is very offensive. Mm. It's even offensive in Spanish. It just sounds nice, but it really is offensive. Um, In this area were uh, Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. They were residing here, and they were building a life for themselves. You know, they were immigrating here to the States to build a life. They wanted to, you know, get away from their country. They wanted to start anew. And then out of nowhere in October... 500 men, it was a mob of them, of Caucasian men and Spanish men, go into this area 
and start beating, torturing, and lynching these people. They start lynching the Chinese immigrants. So they had recorded a total of 20 deaths on that day of these uh, immigrants. So it was 20 men, Chinese men, between the ages of 15 and up. And there's documentation. There's even pictures online if you Google this. And it's very, very hard to to even look Mm -hmm. at these photos. And out of the 500, only 10 were convicted for manslaughter. It's insane. So this was documented as one of the worst lynching in American history. This is the worst massacre in the history of California. So this happened in, uh, this happened like, I want to say seven minutes or 10 minutes from where the CISO hotel would soon be built. Oh my God. And what stands on that area today is Little Mexico. And it's a pueblo that stands um, in the place where the lynching happened. Mm-hmm. So at least something positive, like there's this pueblo, like a church that was built over mm-hmm. it. Right next to the church is the Union Station. So you see why the Cecil Hotel was built in the area where it was built, sure. because it was literally a 10 to 15 minute walk from Union Station. So you have these people traveling in and out of the city. They could come and stay in a hotel like the Cecil. Mm-hmm. Now, before the Cecil was built, after this massacre happened, we had the bombing of 1910. And this bombing occurred in the opposite direction of where the Cecil was built, literally seven blocks away from where the Cecil would be built. Ugh. It was the LA Times building. Mm-hmm. So 1910, we have riots. We have uh, protests for unionization. Mm-hmm. And you have these two gentlemen that thought, we're going to make a statement. We're going to protest and do the biggest protest. We're going to do a bombing. Ugh. So let's do a bombing at the LA Times. Never let's- the right call. That <laughs> is know. never the good idea. Yeah. I know. I know. <sighs> and it's it gets worse. Oh. It gets really fucked up. So these two guys, they pack a suitcase with 17 sticks of dynamite. They go around the back of the building. They stick the suitcase somewhere in, in the, the bottom level of this building. Mm-hmm. They do not know. Ooh, I got a text. Ooh. They do not know that at this time, there are 115 people working on the newspaper for the oh. following morning. So there's people working around the clock in this building. And after they had set the suitcase... They also did not know that where they left the suitcase was next to a natural gas line. Oh, my God. So the explosion occurs. They're thinking, oh, it's just going to be like something minor. No. A minor (laughs) explosion. Just like a little, tiny little explosion. (laughs) We're just going to make a little statement. Just like a little one. Just a little one. No, it was a massive, massive explosion because the suitcase with all the diamond exploded Mm -hmm. next to the natural gas line. It pretty much, you know, deteriorated the whole building. Oh my God. And out of the 115 of the employees working that night, I believe only 20 to 23 were killed. They wow. perished in the bombing. So the men came forward. They felt bad. They didn't know. Like, they people felt, were working. They're felt like, really guilty. They're like, you guys. shit, we're trying to make a statement. We're and we so ended up fucking sorry. hurting people. We even killed people. Oh. All in the name of protesting and all in the name of, you know, rioting for unionization. So they were convicted, they were sent to jail, and they were serving a very, very, very long life sentence because of this. Wow. Yeah. And you have all of this stuff occurring, and it's already, you know, creating like a negative atmosphere mm-hmm. already. This is like 
what you described, like these are layers that are being built on the grounds of the city mm-hmm. already. And now you have this hotel yes. that is being built in between these key points here. So uh, this hotel is built in 1924, and it is built by William Bakes Hanner, who is a hotelier. Mm -hmm. And uh, Banner's intention for building such a huge uh, structure was to create something for businessmen and tourists to come in and stay, especially since it's conveniently located close to Union Station. So you have this hotel being built in 1924, then you fast forward to the Great Depression, which our country goes through. So the Great Depression starts in 1929, goes all the way to 1941, it's the biggest blow to the economy of the 20th century. And of course you have your first first suicide in the building in Mm -hmm. 1931. So at this point, with this history going on, with this um, occurrence of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. this caused the neighborhood where the Cecil lo- uh, Hotel is located to be called Skid Row. Mm-hmm. It's just a massive decline. So the history of Skid Row, because that's also very important, this history starts in 1930. And the reason why they called it Skid Row is because all these homeless individuals were, you know, coming here and camping. People who had been forgotten by society mm-hmm. and up here. And it's just a place where people, it's just their last resort mm-hmm. when they have nothing and they've lost everything. Yeah. So they called it Skid Row, no, Skid Road in the very beginning because it's to describe the people living there were living off of the skids. Mm-hmm. They were living on the skids. And then it eventually turned out to be Skid Row. And then you have these people in Skid Row coming into the Cecil, and now they're committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, they're checking in, but they're not checking out. Well, and it was also, like, colloquially called the suicide for a long time. Like exactly. People would, I mean, obviously unofficially, but it had this whole reputation for people going to kill themselves. Like, just, oh, a light suicide building. Like, what? That's crazy that that was just like what people knew it as yeah and this building was just absorbing Mm. all of this energy now people were just coming in and Mm. it was already collecting a reputation of this is where to go yeah you got nowhere to go you want to end your life come to the cecil Mm -hmm. pretty much so the cecil uh stands at 17 floors has a total 700 rooms and already in 1931, you have its first suicide. And the suicide is, uh, it occurred in 1931 on November. A 46-year-old man from Manhattan Beach is W.K. Norton was reported missing, but not for long because he was found dead in his room at the Cecil. Apparently, he uh, checked in under a different alias and committed suicide oh. by ingesting capsules filled with poison. Mm-hmm. So there's the first one. And a lot of people are stating that he really didn't show any signs of depression or anything like that. But another one of his family members even described him saying, no, he you know, was still re- trying to recuperate mm-hmm. from the Great Depression, but he lost a lot. And this is a result of it. And then we follow through in 1954 with Helen Gurney, who was a middle-aged woman from San Diego who comes to the hotel to commit suicide by jumping from the window of her room on the seventh floor. Oh, and instead that does of, not seem high enough. I know. 
instead of plummeting onto the street, she plummets onto the, uh, her body lands on the marquee of the Cecil. Mm. And a witness to the frightening incident was a 26-year-old who was so disturbed by the woman's death that he had to be taken to a nearby hospital. And Gurney, who had been staying at the hotel for a week prior to her suicide, uh, was, uh, she was uh, pretty much showing signs that she was depressed. And uh, she was staying in room 704. And that room, for some reason, too, is also being requested by a lot of tourists to this very day because it has a lot of energy, paranormal activity in it. (laughs) So that's the start of the paranormal activity Mm -hmm. there. And that morbid curiosity we all have of just like, you want to be there where it's happening. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. And then soon afterwards, in 1962, this poor man is walking in front of the Cecil Hotel. He's just walking, minding his own <laughs> business. He's 65 years old. He is walking, and then all of a sudden, he was hit by the body of Pauline Otten, who's a 27-year-old who had jumped from her window of the ninth floor. And as um, you know, she's falling to her death, she falls on top of this poor pedestrian. Ugh. So she kills herself and then kills him in the middle of her suicide. Oh, no. People. So I know. <laughs> Just on his little walk. Oh. So the passerby was killed instantly. Mm-hmm. So it's like now it's proving a point that even walking past the Cecil can be deadly yes. instead of just checking in. Mm-hmm. So you have that going on. And then you have some good stuff on the next one, which was 1964, right? It was a uh, Goldie Osgood. Yes. So she actually was one of the first like live in residence whereas these other people were kind of checking in and then committing suicide she was well known in the hotel like she had been living there um and everyone in this community of hotel knew who she was so it's this weird sort of reversal where now it's not just people who are like passing by or kind of transient i think that's like a big mm-hmm theory for lack of a better word of like well these people are in skid row like you were saying they're transients they're passing through anyway now all of a sudden it's this woman who's been living there who they all know who they see same thing as you were talking about earlier doesn't show signs of depression isn't the person that you would expect it to be quote unquote um and so they then find her in her room same kind of thing haven't seen her for a while and she had been raped she had been stabbed she had been beaten and then her entire room had been like completely ransacked completely robbed and so it's this very violent thing for someone that they all know and like how my first question how did they not hear her right six seven hundred rooms and nobody hears anything nobody knew she was missing it's like all of a sudden they just realize, like, oh, we haven't seen her in a while. Right. They open the door and there's this horror scene. So they actually end up arresting someone. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jacques B. Ellinger. And he was initially charged with her murder. And then it it's not him. They release him. Um, he had an alibi. And they just unsolved that that was it there was no other witnesses there was no other leads and so it's still technically an unsolved murder for this woman who like people knew you know what i mean it's not someone visiting that no one has heard of no one's seen they're 
neighbor, in essence, unsolved murder, which I find terrifying and fascinating. Like, how could that happen in such a populated building? I just don't understand. But so she was the first one. And then, um, yeah, do you want me to talk now about some of the more famous people? Or do we want to keep going through the, like, actual suicides? I feel that with Osgood, mm. it's it parallels a very famous murder and suicide that, you know, we were talking about earlier to Elisa Lamb. Oh, right. But I don't know if you have any others. I mean, yeah, there, so are, can, I mean there are so well, many. Well, that's the thing. There's so many. So we can talk a little bit also. So oh in God, the 40s, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, that mm-hmm. is all happening. And so she didn't, you were saying she wasn't staying at the Cecil but it's the last place she was seen. Yes. Again, transient. She was, like, again, probably picking Johns up there at the bar of the Cecil. It was pretty well known for that by that point. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of becomes one of the first, like, media circuses surrounding a death. It's not just that this woman, who was most likely a sex worker, has Mm -hmm. been killed. It's now, we're naming her. She has a title. It's it's become so much bigger than just the incident itself. Again, completely unsolved. The media circus becomes so much bigger. So now this reputation has almost taken on a life of its own. I mean, they're associating her to the Cecil, even though that's not where she was technically staying. Mm -hmm. But it's just this cycle of violence that's happening in and around this hotel. Yes. And it starts becoming this media circus essentially you're even so though, right yeah. yeah because i feel with her death mm. and this is just my take on it and we talked about this too with the sharon tate murders yes. i mean this was a media circus they really hyped up the mm-hmm. cecil and you know that these uh reporters are going to be doing their homework and research totally. on the hotel so they're like oh well she was staying at this hotel mm-hmm. well she wasn't staying there she was just you know, visiting the mm-hmm. lobby, picking up, you know, John's because at that time now the hotel was charging by the hour. Right. So you had these prostitutes that, you know, this was their working office. This is where mm-hmm. they would take their John's for their tricks. And uh, what I read and what I really researched is she was staying at the Biltmore Hotel. Yes. She was staying at the Biltmore Hotel, who, which is uh, literally right around the corner <laughs> from the Cecil. And that place, guys, also has a lot of history and a lot of haunted history. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most haunted hotels in uh, Los Angeles, but we'll definitely do a uh, episode on that. I know, there's so many. It's just, it's <laughs> We're crazy. We're a hotel podcast now. <laughs> yes, hotel podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and then she walks down the street because it was documented that mm-hmm. she had uh, left the Biltmore. I think she checked out. She goes to, she walks to the Cecil. Mm-hmm. A front desk receptionist sees her walk past the desk. She mm-hmm. goes straight into the lobby bar, and then she sits there. She orders a drink, and she leaves with someone. Mm-hmm. And this is all documented and recorded. Yeah. And, of course, like, well, she was seen here. Now it's this and whole... And it becomes this whole circus, and yes. her stabbing remains unsolved as well. Exactly. And, again, just so much bigger than her actual murder is mm-hmm. this sort of... You know, and I think we're so used to that now. Oh, yeah. The media circus is such a daily part of our lives now. Oh, it but is. this isn't the 40s when most of the coverage is on the war. Now she's almost one of the first people who's being, you know, celebritized, if I may make up a word. <laughs> um, 
because of something that happened to her. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, that's all very manner, ca- Yes. In the manner, like, if you Google her death, you see some mm-hmm. very, very <laughs> extremely graphic postmortems. You cannot unsee that. And you cannot unsee <laughs> that. And that's the same thing that happened with Sharon Tate. Yes. And it's funny because that's not happening with Elisa Lamb. Right, which is so interesting. Yeah. That has so many. So we can definitely transition into that because that's, like, for me, the creepiest of them. I think it is really the bridge between... Just the cold hard facts mm-hmm. of her death. Spoilers: She died, um, <laughs> and the sort of supernatural aspect. Uh, you know, with some of these, it's very hard to see. Like, well, they killed themselves, but we don't know why. Or they were stabbed, and it was unsolved. And there's all this energy. But with her, because of the modern age, because of the footage, um, it just becomes this big question mark. Of like, okay, and even before we started, we were saying like, what do you think happened? Mm-hmm. There's just such an open ended array of possibilities with Elisa Lamb because you you bring so much of it that you believe to her video. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone hasn't seen it, you can watch the video footage from the elevator of her last scene Yes, it's minute, and it's terrifying. Fucking creepy because you just Google Elisa Lamb mm-hmm. elevator video and it's just a slew of them mm-hmm. and there's a lot of sites that really ran rapid with yeah. their observation of it, what happened. Again, going back to that media circus of like now it's a viral video yeah. of this woman's final moments and she's clearly experiencing something. And that blank, that mm-hmm. fill in the blank is, is it otherworldly? Is she having a psychotic break? Right. Was she off her meds? Was she being threatened? Like, who knows? Because you can only see such a small corner of the footage. Mm-hmm. But it's just whatever is actually happening, she is not present. She is not acting in a way that is like ex- you can explain through normal means. And it's so jarring to watch a human go through that like otherworldly process of just like, okay, whatever they're seeing is not normal. And she no. was clearly being traumatized by something, whether it was in her mind or actually happening, who can say? So uh, if you haven't seen the video, uh, I mean, I'm not going to describe it in detail, but basically it's a video of this woman in an elevator and she's in and out mm-hmm. and she's pushing these buttons and the door's not closing and oh, her yeah. hands are so spasm and just fluttery. Yes. And you, you can see that she's, trying to communicate with someone she goes out out of frame comes back in she's like hiding behind the little ledge of the corner yeah she's peeking in she's peeking out like as if someone is there Mm -hmm. and she's talking to someone Mm -hmm. as well and you see her hands just morph they it looks like her fingers are trying to touch her forearms and it's in very a way. creepy because it, it is, is that found footage sort of horror movie cliche but because it's like just elevator footage it's not a high def you really you can't like see her face for example that well you can't see everything that she's doing like the small minutiae gets lost in the graininess of the footage mm-hmm. which makes it so much more intense again these open-ended questions like how are her hands moving like this without right. breaking her wrist how is she like communicating why can't we see her face it's all very intense um and so that's the last thing that we know is because we have the footage of it so then her body is found uh in just what i is the most horrifying kind of circumstances oh my gosh yes first of all can we talk about her poor sweet canadian parents just you have your daughter abroad yeah She's traveling alone. 
you're checking in with her literally every day, which I think is the sweetest little thing. Yes. And then you just don't hear from her. And like the good upright citizens, you call the police immediately. Mm -hmm. And then like, that's kind of it. And she's missing for, I think it's a month. Is that right? Am I making that up? uh, It's close to 19 days because she, it was January. I believe it was 30, the 31st that her body was finally found. No, it was January 31st. She goes missing. Oh, that's when her mom has the mama bear instincts. Because Elisa always calls her mom every single yes. day. Her mom knows instantly yes. something's wrong. This girl calls me and she we didn't call in. me. Yeah, she'll check in. Oh, nothing. It just breaks her, my heart. She's calling her daughter. The daughter's cell phone is going straight to voicemail. Mm-hmm. It's going straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. So her second instinct is call the hotel. Mm-hmm. But um, her, body, her body is soon found February 19th. Oh. So... Her body's in there for almost like 19 to 20 days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if if anyone doesn't know, so her body was actually found on the roof of the hotel in one of the water cisterns mm-hmm. that provide the water for the rooms below. So the only reason, so again, <laughs> she's missing. There's a full-on manhunt, missing persons, all of that. Her parents have come. It's this whole thing. The only reason they find her in, because of course someone like searched the roof, but they didn't think to open the cistern. Right. What happens is that the water pressure in the hotel starts going out and it gets dark and the guests are complaining of a smell mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they like start piecing it together, go upstairs to see what's wrong and her corpse has been floating and decomposing <laughs> in the main cistern. Yeah. And there are people, we were saying, who have been interviewed. They were showering in this water. They were drinking this water. Uh, I'm just, like, getting, like... It could not be more horrifying. (laughs) I mean, she is the victim, but that is horrifying. It it is disgusting. There was even... I was even telling you on, uh, Mm -hmm. I think it was CNN, there was a footage of this couple from overseas, and you could see in their face... Mm -hmm. That you you know what they what happened like not only disturbed them but what they even said to the reporter mm-hmm. they were telling him yeah we were bathing in this water Oof. of this dead woman and we were even drinking the water and the woman goes really into detail of the taste she said no, it was no, like no. a sickly sweet taste that is horrifying <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just like <laughs> I know. <sighs> Gag reflex yeah. right there. It, and I know that this investigation led to a movie being written called Blackwater. Yes. Yeah. And, well, and it's so many pop culture references because I think it was so captivating yeah. that this could even happen. Mm-hmm. But, oh, and Blackwater is such a good movie, too. It is. I know. <laughs> Who is it? Elizabeth. Oh, what's her last name? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm useless without IMDb. I, I know. <laughs> if I don't have it open at all times, I'm a waste. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! I can't remember her oh, last name, but uh, yeah, she did a really great performance. Oh my god! I can't remember her. She was from Labyrinth. 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 Um, oh my god! What was her name? But um, as we're looking for her name, I know. Yes. <laughs> there were theories of Elisa. There were like two theories mm-hmm. about Elisa Lamb, and it was just circulating in a lot of domains. So one of the first theories in the earlier comments mm-hmm. about the conclusion of her death is. Some believe that um, 
she was under the influence of, a, of some illicit substance or she was flirting with someone who who's not seen in the video. Yes. And perhaps it was even both. Uh, well, and she was on medication. So right yes. away, that's always like people's... In, as a society, I think we do that like, oh, well, they were suffering from bipolar. They were suffering from depression. And then like, as if that makes it acceptable or that they deserved it in some morose right. way. So yeah, as soon as it came out and you know, the, the toxicology report didn't show any of that. So then it's, well, was she off her meds? Was she having a psychotic break? And it's immediate like, well, you know, she was on medication, so it's fine, mm-hmm. which is so mind blowing to me. Like what? No, she's still dead. She's still something horrible still happened to this human being mm-hmm. who happened to, yes, struggle with mental illness, but she was 115 pounds and the latch was like 20 they said 20 mm-hmm. to 25 pounds how was this girl first off able to take off her clothes mm-hmm. lift the latch and then like submerge herself into mm-hmm. this tank not only that when the the hand like the maintenance worker went up there yes to the roof to figure out what was going on with the water he didn't see anything there was nothing around the tank so there was no evidence of anyone being there so what happened to her clothes? Also, what happened to her phone? Her phone en- ends up missing. Yes, and even getting on the roof should have been impossible. Um, there, yes. Because there, there's a, <laughs> essentially one way up to the roof from where she was, and so it should have triggered an alarm. The door should have been locked. Mm-hmm. There, It was in full view of like a common space area, not just like another room or something, but someone most likely would have seen someone trying to get into this door. Mm-hmm. None of that. No, the alarm didn't get triggered. Somehow the door was unlocked. Nobody sees her, quote unquote. And all of a sudden, again, it starts raising these questions of, well, at the very least, how did she get on the roof? Like, let's just yes. start there because it's insane. And then she gets on the roof. How does she open this heavy lid of the cistern? How does she climb up? Because it's not like on the ground. She had to actively try and get in there. Right. How? How is she naked? How did the shut on her and she wasn't able to get back out like all of these questions have no answer in essence because there's just no real way to know and again there's just enough in the toxicology report that it's dismissible there's not any evidence of defensive wounds or sexual harassment or assault wounds anything like that and so all of a sudden it's just like well she probably did this to herself which I find mind blowing right a plausible or possible, but just so baffling at the same time. This brings me to another, um, I don't know if you read about this, I'm sure everyone had seen this. This mm-hmm. just happened, uh, literally last year now. But I think it was in October, in Chicago, Illinois, Kanika Jenkins was the poor girl that was found in the freezer of a hotel. Ugh. It was a Crown Plaza hotel mm-hmm. in Chicago. This girl goes missing, and then her body soon found in the freezer of the hotel kitchen. Oh. And there's actual, and it parallels with Elisa Lamb, there's footage of her. Mm -hmm. There's footage of her moments before her death. She is staggering down the hotel um, aisles. Mm -hmm. She is falling to her knees. She looks pretty inebriated. Mm -hmm. Like, she is just not coherent. You see her going up the stairs. You see her going down more hallways. She's staggering. No one's around. Mm. No one is around and then you see her there's a footage of her entering the kitchen there's a camera in the kitchen 
where is the freaking security? Mm-hmm. Where is freaking security at this point? Mm-hmm. Especially at the Crown Plaza. Yeah. And I know for a fact, I have friends that work security in malls. They are on it. Mm-hmm. They're on there like 24 hours. Their job is to monitor and to report. That is their mm-hmm. job. And none, no one did anything that night. Oh. So this girl staggers through the kitchen. You don't. You see her going to another room, but you don't see her entering the fridge. It just cuts right there. Oh. And in the toxicology reports, they don't see anything. They only see a very, um, what they say, a prescription dosage of a medication that she was taking Mm -hmm. for seizures. And that her friends at the party said that she had one cup, I think it was a glass of wine, or she had a a cup of mixed alcohol. Mm -hmm. And she was very much a lightweight, so she has this cup. In in mixture with her medication, Mm -hmm. she is completely gone and no one knows what happens after that like she just stumbles sure. out of the room and no one like great friends they don't check on their girlfriend you uh, know once again and it's it, and girlfriends. why why is it like this that hotels is the perfect setting mm-hmm. for this you know yeah buddy system buddy system yes. that's all I have to say yes. <laughs> and it's terrible and and there was another suggestion too they felt that she may have been under severe psychedelics Mm. and even one person pointed out that her next stop was santa cruz after santa after los angeles she was supposed to go to santa cruz cruz which is a city that is renowned for heavy drug use Mm. so that was something that was brought into light but then again they didn't see anything in her system well and so this is the thing too is that there was a woman uh i have her name katie orphan and she owns a bookstore across from where the hotel is. The last bookstore, right? Is I that think, what it's called? I think it was because... Um, I didn't write down the name of the bookstore. Because, because I know that that's the bookstore. Like, I think that's right around it the must corner. Be, yeah, yeah right I've been there. And if you guys ever visited Los oh, Angeles... so cute. You have to. It It's amazing. It is beautiful. Even mm-hmm. if you're not a bookworm, you just got to go and venture through it. It's so awesome. And so uh, this woman saw, again, like last person to see them and no nothing out of the blue and she looked right fine yeah she looked completely normal. fine completely personable chatting again like mental illness can have different levels and if she was on some kind of psychedelic obviously she wouldn't be showing those signs in the bookstore no. but for the last person to see you to a remember you because of the very like extended conversation you have she was like a huge book person so for her to be at the bookstore multiple days in a row so that you're remembering her and then on top of that for it to be completely affable no weird red flags going up and then the next thing that's happening is she's having a full-on i mean it's just it's pure conjecture at this point but it just seems so plausible that this person who's susceptible to the energy around her would be affected in a Mm -hmm. way that's so unexplainable you know what I mean obviously that's completely just my opinion but if she is the kind of person who's dealing with mental illness who possibly was on mood and mind altering substances all of a sudden you're doing those things in a place which is so steeped in violent and crazy history it is just this perfect storm of chaos essentially yeah you're exactly right It, it is and it, I mean, it was really, really sad, just mm. the outcome of it. I know. You know, and it's still unsolved. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is, you know, the aftermath of this, I think we always sort of touch on that because these things ripple through. Nothing is just 
contained. And so mm-hmm. her poor parents, they, you know, in their grief, I assume, it, it just seems like they try and sue the city and the hotel. And I think that's just that, again, they're clearly so protective. They need to. And, but, and it was dismissed because at the end of the day, like, there's not that much to go on. There's not probable cause. There's not negligence that they can prove and so their case is dismissed which I just find so heartbreaking like they don't even get the closure in any sense not that I think that you know we do live in a a lawsuit culture which I don't always agree with but for these like grieving parents I just find it so heartbreaking it is it it really is like they're trying to find some (coughs) form of solace and closure Mm -hmm. and deep down inside there's none yeah unfortunately and um you know, here's something, here's like a story time, a little story time. I have a friend who's into the paranormal as well, mm-hmm. and she stayed at this hotel. Oh, she's she stayed, than me. well, she stayed with three <laughs> of her other friends, which is now known as Stay on Main. It's no longer called right. the Cecil. It's Stay on Main, but it's still forever. It's like a tattoo that will never come off. And it's off. being renovated, and they're oh, really trying to do it, but it's, it's renovated. It's the rooms are still tiny. Mm-hmm. She said going into the hotel, you just feel like this heavyweight. You just, and it's because also, you know, the history going in, you always, you also know the history and, you know, she's going in there, not to mention she ends up talking to one of the security guys. So this hotel has upped the ante just a, just a smidge (laughs) in security. So there's a team of security men They're They're dressed in suits. They're, they're on it apparently. Mm -hmm. Because she was there with the camera, she was kind of recording herself, like, I'm in the hotel. And they, at one point, stop her. Wow. But it's so funny how immediate they are to see, you know, someone recording the sure. hotel. But when they see someone in a recording or through cameras that mm-hmm. they don't act freaking fast. So she goes to talking to the dude. Asks the guy, can you take up to take us up to the roof? The guy's like, yeah. Whoa. So it's just, she's like documenting this, mm-hmm. by the way. And she... Um, she goes onto the roof. So the roof, you need like key access. Mm-hmm. And um, she saw the water tank. She was like, oh my God, this was like completely morbid. She goes further to talking with the security guard and the guy's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're trying to create a different face for the hotel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we get these people like you, you guys that come in and they just want to experience the history mm-hmm. and they're trying to cover it up. You know, they're trying to move forward and then he goes on to telling her, oh, yeah, you know, not too long ago, a guest called us to complain that someone was sleeping outside of their room. So they went to go investigate and it turned out that it was a corpse that someone from Skid Row had made their way by oh, the fire man. escape and had OD'd and died. And it was it, once again, <laughs> oh my God. you know, this is terrible history of Skid Row. Yeah. It's just this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And then she asks him, well, I see cameras. How come you guys didn't see this person stumbling into your air, into the area mm-hmm. here by the fire escape first off, and then didn't notice that this guy was not waking up? Oh, because the cameras there are faux cameras. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> ah, ah, the fuck? After all that's <laughs> happened, you don't ever Spend care? the fucking yeah. extra two Three grand. I don't know how how much is a security system. Holy, uh, who knows? But I mean, shit. I, I mean, they're faux cameras. There's two or three of them in the back by the fire escape. They're all faux. That's they're insanity. dummy cameras no. to pr- to deter sure people from coming in. Well, it sure didn't deter this no. person from coming in and ODing. You know, and oh my god, 
once again, it's this is the history mm-hmm. and the nature of not only the hotel, but also the fucking location. Yeah. I think that we keep touching <laughs> on it, but it, it's very odd. You, we sort of take it for granted living here, but there are so many like things that are happening in L.A. even today that are like almost fully realized characters in these stories like the gentrification problem in downtown specifically yes yes is no joke and we sort of you know it's covered in the news we kind of brush it off we kind of move further out into the valley and then you kind of think it's over but for the people who can't get out and are living in skid row not just visiting not just stopping by but who this is their life it is a full-blown problem and it becomes such a vital element to the story yeah to the history of this area when you think about it, it's like it really is almost like a fully realized character there's almost no other way to say it it's just so crazy to me do you want to know what's really fucked up oh my god i'm sorry it gets weird <laughs> it gets weird in 2005 skid row was being highly observed by police force, mm-hmm. by higher ups, because people were complaining of patient dumping. Oh. That these homeless individuals were being sent to the hospital. No one would claim them. No, they didn't have a name. They didn't have anything. So the, these specific hospitals around downtown would then dump the patients off of Skid Row. That is so heartbreaking. So they would place them on the gurney, take them out of the hospital, and just, you know, dump them there. That is insane. Take them up from the gurney and just place them on the sidewalk. And it was a big, big case in 2005. Even some police members from the department were involved in this too. So it was a very, 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 very large investigation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the city acted fast with this. They're like, you can't fucking do this. Like, this is insane. You're dumping people on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. here. People that can't even walk. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, let alone you like take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. They were just dumping them there. It's, it's just here we go again. You mm-hmm. know, these are layers being built. Yes, being you know established. That is. It doesn't seem like it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. No, I mean, and so that's the thing is like right they're doing all this renovation on the hotel and they're keeping the lobby but like updating the rooms and it, like you're saying it's like you're trying to cover a tattoo you're trying to give it all a facelift that history will not be erased the ripples cannot be undone and not only did we have the deaths Mm -hmm. but we had how many two two serial killers right right i mean we barely even touched on that (gasps) but again (laughs) there's just so many good great talk about layers we welcome everyone i know we welcome everyone send me your crazy send me your crazies um yeah so two pretty famous one very famous serial killer and then um, so in the 80s richard ramirez aka the night stalker son of a bitch which if you don't know who i don't know i mean i assume if you're listening to this podcast you have a certain proclivity for the kinds of stories we're talking about so if you haven't heard of him google him immediately because it is such a fascinating story and i'm sure we'll talk more in depth about it um, but he stays at the Cecil. Like, of all the places, like, you couldn't stay at a Ramada Inn or something? Like, come <laughs> on. It's At this point, it's absurd. And I don't think he had the points. No, he really did not. <laughs> he, he, he let that one slide. Go figure. Um, and, you know, with his story, so much of his killings happened further outside of the city. Yeah, northern. So he just happened to be staying there for a couple weeks. 
Um, and I think he was even killing while stand, yes. staying there. Like he, it was like his office, you know? Yeah. Like, and <laughs> so he for sure, you know, again, all of this, I mean, I'm almost speechless. Just like all of this energy being drugged into the hotel yes. as he's like staying there, but also killing people in the air. Like, it's just so crazy. And so once he's then later caught, and he's so notorious. I mean, he's a heavy hitter in terms of, like, the serial killer notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does. It kind of spawns that sort of weird obsession in a sense. And so another, uh, some I would say less famous serial killer, probably just because he's from Australia. And mm-hmm. so he's maybe not as well known in this area. But again, if you follow this kind of thing, you probably have heard of him, whose name I can now not find because I'm so... There it is. Uh, Jack Underwinter. Underwinter. Winter. If we butchered it, no pun intended. Well, he killed people, so it's fine. Bad fucking pun. He killed people. He doesn't get his name said correctly. Yes. Um, Done. (laughs) (laughs) But he stays there in the 90s. And, right, the speculation is that he probably did it because he knew that Richard Ramirez had stayed there. Mm -hmm. And, again, most of his killings were in Australia. But he most likely, unproven, but there's, like, a couple killings that are probably his... To his credit, essentially, mm-hmm. while he's staying at the Cecil. It's ridiculous. It is. And it, it it was stated, too, that the reason why he was staying there, you're not going to believe this, he was a true crime writer. Right. On top of everything. So he goes to the hotel mm-hmm. and, and he stays there to write, you know, a story about the hotel mm-hmm. and ends up being a story. And then strangles three prostitutes. Like, I know. It's crazy. It was the perfect setting for him, you know? Mm, what a mess. I know. And, and Richard Ramirez, that was that is the craziest one. Yes. Holy crap. Like, there's even uh, a statement that someone had seen him in the back of, ho- of the hotel mm-hmm. because he would, after he would do his killing spree, mm-hmm. come back late at night into the hotel through the back entrance. Oof. Once again, where close, are the fucking cameras? Close, that, close the back entrance. Just close it up. Lock it up. That Jesus Christ. Not... Buy more security cameras. Ugh. Oh my God. But at this time, you know, you this was the 80s. So mm-hmm. this was the deadliest decade. And Richard Ramirez sure. was making his mark. And he was found um, taking off bloody clothes Ugh. in the back entrance. There was this... Uh, transient that noticed him taking off clothes that were covered in blood and he would dump them in the hotel dumpster oh my goodness and just again no one believes no one believes you're almost your word is not valued exactly so it's just like so mind-blowing that he was able to just saunter on in Mm -hmm. covered in blood like okay this is ridiculous and again it just goes back to that in that area that is probably not even the weirdest thing that you would have seen that day so just carry on, bloody sir. Like, that's so crazy. And I want to say, I think it was five or six years after that, in 1988, the body of 32-year-old, it was a nurse student, a nursing student mm-hmm. or a nurse, um, was discovered by her brother in a Huntington Beach house. And she shared it with her boyfriend, who was Robert Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out that... Craig had been brutally stabbed multiple times, and the police began to suspect Sullivan, her boyfriend, oh who was goodness. responsible for the murder. When he failed to return home to the house, he and you know his girlfriend were sharing at the mm-hmm. time for seven years. 
And more than two months later, on September 6th, this was like probably three months after the murder happened, uh, they find out that uh, Sullivan was living there. Whoa. They arrest him and they charge him with the murder of Craig, making him yet another person who sought refuge. Oh, my goodness. It's like... So... Killed somebody? Yeah. Come over here. Come on over. Suicide? We got you covered. That is... Their new slogan. They don't water know it pressure. Yet. Yeah. Not that great. <laughs> not that great. And really dark. And really dark. Oh, sickly sweet. I can't. Oh, no. no, we went no. back. We, we went, went back. <laughs> we cannot go back. Don't. And then we also, um, before the eighties, we skipped on this. And this, <laughs> once again, nineteen seventies, we had the Skid Row slasher. Yes. Motherfucker. Damn it. It's like this. It just. It just keeps on spawning. Keeps on spawning. So Vaughn Greenwood is convicted in Hollywood. They finally catch this SOB. Mm-hmm. Um, the Skid Row Slasher guys, Google him. Yes. That's all I have to say. I think there is even a made-for-TV movie written about him, but this guy was a piece of work. In the way that he murdered his victims, mm. he slashed the throats of his victims, drank their blood, Whoa. disposed of their bodies by covering them up with salt as his calling card. He would leave them out in the open for cops to discover them or people to discover them. But his main calling card was slashing their throats and sprinkling them with salt. What is the salt in reference to or why? They don't know. That is terrifying. They don't know. It was just a sick way of of marking, you know, his murder. Mm -hmm. This is how he murders. This is how he's going to be remembered. Exactly. So he, I mean, it was a big murdering spree and goes on for several years. They finally put a bait out for him in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I think they're on to him at this point. In the late 70s, he's in Hollywood. They have an undercover cop who I guess is associated with him. And he's bait. And Greenwood tries to kill him. And fortunately, you know, he gets caught. He gets caught in the act. They arrest him. They sentence him either to life or I think they, they even gave him the death penalty. Or he was being tried for the death penalty or got and just got life. But it was a big ordeal. And he was, you know, just... Hunting up and down Skid Row. Yeah. So, guys, if you come to Los Angeles, avoid it. Do not <laughs> it's just go not to even Skid- better. Well, that's what we had sort of talked a little bit about before we started with the Elisa Lamb case. Mm-hmm. Is you, there is marketing at play when you come and visit Los Angeles and Hollywood specifically, and I, I, you have to be aware of that that you are being sold a version of Hollywood. That is, in my opinion, not a complete picture. You know, you're, you're watching and you're seeing Hollywood Boulevard during the red carpet at the Oscars. And it looks so pristine and so glamorous and yeah. all these celebrities are there. And that is not the what case. it looks like 364 other days of the year. It's true. And I think it's the same thing with this mm-hmm. area downtown. I was just downtown for... Ciclavia, which is such a fun event. I oh, lo- I do Ciclavia. I like, love it. My husband and I, we do it twice or three times a year. It's so cool. What is Ciclavia's price? Because <laughs> people are like, what is this? Uh, it's like a bike trail, essentially, that you can... It's like a bike parade. Mm-hmm. And it's this huge event, and there's vendors everywhere, and all these like businesses have it's like free. special. And it's a great way to to venture the city on foot or on bike or on your board. Yeah, and it's a good way to it's, it's through the metro, and so you can kind of see the like new and we have an upcoming like bike rental 
program that you can like travel around it's the amazing. city with the bikes that they have through yeah. the metro and it's just a really cool thing they do one in north hollywood they do one downtown yes. i know there was a bunch more. oh there are a bunch we did the the biggest one they had was downtown mm-hmm. to the sea which was downtown la and you go from downtown la all the way to santa monica mm-hmm. pier it was amazing That's it was so, so cool. beautiful but that is not what downtown looks like no normally and so no. you know you have this traveler she's by herself mm-hmm. she's you know seeing the cities that you want to see right. it is cool to be like downtown i love downtown oh i love it too you just have to be smart you just have to be aware exactly they walk with the purpose yeah you can you can automatically fish out a tourist oh 100 percent. and lisa fit the description to the t she she also, really your husband just walked by and gave me a little mini heart attack i thought we were being serial killed <laughs> Oh. That's so funny. Okay, good. Ooh, He's in the next bedroom. Beating. He's That's, playing his video games. That's so funny. I like full on like this is it. We're dying. Now you're on the edge. I love it. Um, um, but all this Skid Row talk has got me on I edge. know. Now you're like, oh, Skid Row. I'm not even in the drive-by there. Maybe. Ever. I don't know. Let's do something, Bryce. Okay. Great. Let's go on our phones. We've got our phones on, on standby here. Mm-hmm. I want you... Let's read the Yelp reviews of the stay on Maine. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> 100% I want to see, like, okay, let's pretend we're tourists. Yes. And let's go on here. We're going to go on here on Yelp. I'm going to open up my Yelp app right here. And just an FYI, FYI, I already Googled the actress. I feel like, God, I'm going through like a, like a senior moment right now. <laughs> uh, it was Jennifer Connelly. Oh, yes. Okay. Holy shit. I mean, I'm a child of the 80s. Labyrinth. Come on, man. Oh, I should have known it when you said that. I know. I'm like, Elizabeth? No, we're. I was thinking Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. All right. Stay on Maine. All right. Uh, we're tourists. We're, gonna, we're going to we're Los going Angeles. We're going to the place. And we want to see some stars. Oh, always. <laughs> okay. So here... Oh, it's got two stars. Oof. It's got two stars, and there's one dollar sign. So I'm going to read one of the reviews here. Ah, this one looks promising. Oh, All boy. right, this was two months ago, and I want to open this up here. One star. Oof. I was unaware of uh, Hotel Cecil's history prior to booking my stay How? here. How? With two of my girlfriends back in 2015. I'm so glad to see that it's closed. We were 19 at the time and settled in for whatever was cheap and convenient. Yeah. Uh, you there get what is. you pay for. You get. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. Um, on the first day we arrived, I realized that something just didn't feel right. I had an eerie feeling from this hotel and I didn't understand why. I didn't feel safe. I got chills every time I would take uh, the elevator between floors. My mm. friends never said anything, so I just kept quiet. Three nights into our stay, I was up at around 2 a.m. booking our Disneyland tickets online, and my friends had both fallen asleep, and I was just about to close the browser when I heard knocking on our door. Two knocks, I froze. It was dead quiet at this time. I am very attentive and was puzzled because I hadn't heard any footsteps approaching, approaching prior to the knocking. I listened for any kind of movement outside of the door, Nothing. I looked over to my friends and they are still sleeping. Another lock. Uh, knock. I slowly got out of bed and got down on all fours on the dingy hotel floor sure. to peek under the door. Girl, I hope you had some like antibacterial yeah, on you. 
I probably had a decent four hours of sleep that night because I was so scared. The next morning, I used one of the computers in the lobby to look up the hotel's history. I learned about the most recent death of Elisa Lam, mm-hmm. who went to university in my city, and all the past murders and deaths that had taken place in this very hotel. I stayed quiet for the rest of the trip and was so relieved when we were finally able to check out. It's creepy and outright filthy. Mm. Spend the extra money staying at a place you actually feel safe at. Avoid it at all costs. I I wish I could give this place a half a star. I would never go back. Oof. Holy Skating. shit. Heather. Heather. And everything is one star. Everything is one star. This place is closed now. That's what everyone's saying. I even remember passing by um, that place during one of the Ciclavias. Right. And... Um, I noticed, like, it looks like it's still under construction. They're still trying to remodel it or something. As far as I understood, and I could be mistaken, I certainly have been known to make mistakes. Uh, But I was under the impression that it was being renovated under a new name and that they're keeping the lobby because it is technically a historical landmark, but that the rooms themselves are being updated. Right. Again, a facelift will not cover everything that's happened there but i think they are trying to like rebrand don't spend the money Oof. spend the money on a security system please. i know, Fucking I know. More cameras. <sighs> hire more security jesus christ Oof, that is that's crazy so we're gonna move into the meteor part of <laughs> this episode we're gonna talk about the paranormal yes. aftermath Y'all have been waiting for this. <laughs> so let me give you a little antidote. Hotels are more likely to be the scene of accidents, suicides, and even murders because of their transient population. Mm. You don't know who's coming in. You don't know who's coming out if they ever do come out. Energy and the detraction of this building attracted individuals mm. with mental health problems who were down on their luck or, you know, down on life. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to go into the rooms, what people have felt in these rooms. We don't know exactly what room Elisa Lamb was staying in, but from what I read in reports, Mm -hmm. she stayed in two rooms. The first, in the beginning, she was staying in a a hostel-like setting Mm -hmm. because um, the way the hotel was built, there's some floors that have private rooms with their own bathrooms, and there's some floors that have a communal bathroom. So you're sharing a room with, you know, other people Mm -hmm. traveling from everywhere and that was her setting based on what people were describing um of elisa that you know they shared a room with they were saying that she was uh acting a little odd Mm. at some points and then um elisa it was also documented by the front desk that she requested to be moved to another room because she was feeling uh anxiety Mm -hmm. she was um you know just not trusting the people that were in that room she just didn't feel comfortable so they moved her into another room they moved her into a private room so they said that elisa was staying on the 12th floor in the beginning which are the hostel rooms and then she ended up being on the 14th floor oh man so the 14th floor has a lot of history and i'll tell you why room 1402 is where jock ottenwiger gives a fuck how you pronounce his last name he's a murderer um who was the Aust- austrian journalist who wrote true crime uh novels and reports and ended up killing those prostitutes oh he goodness. killed them in room 1402 
you have room 1419, and that is Richard Ramirez's room. I didn't realize it was floor specific. That's insane. When people go on this floor, they feel like they're being watched. They feel like they're being followed. There's been documentation from mediums that have traveled to this hotel that they feel a huge sense of dread. They feel a huge sense of black energy, like just negativity. And you feel this heavy, heavy weight when you go on the 14th floor. So people who have stayed in 1419 say that they sense that they're being watched, that the closet closet doors open and close by themselves. One person even documented waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning feeling as though someone was on top of him choking him. He didn't see any... Which is how he was strangling the sex workers. Like, oh my goodness. Oh no, that was uh, was Jack. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I said he and I just assumed everyone would know what I was talking about. But also in 1402, it's the same thing. That's terrifying. People um, feel a sense of anxiety in 1402. But in 1419, they just feel this heavy negativity Oof. in that room 1402 yes is is jack's room they feel like um they can't breathe oh they f- they get a cold sweat uh, one person has documented saying that she felt as though she was being watched and she was feeling very anxious mm-hmm. like somebody was coming she was like, I don't know. I just kept on checking outside my door. I just felt like someone was coming out to get me. And, you know, there's no one outside. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's, it's insane. And um, then in 2013, we have a ghost picture that comes out and the media takes notice of it. Mm-hmm. So this poor kid visiting Los Angeles from Riverside is walking by the Cecil Hotel you know, he's like, oh, let's go see the Suicide Hotel. And mm-hmm. he soon regrets it. Of course. So I'm going to show you this picture and I'll post it on our on our uh, website, guys. It's really intense. And this was, uh, you know, on ABC News. This poor kid takes a picture of this window because he notices a figure no. sitting outside of the window as though he's looking like he's ready to jump off the like the seventh floor. So here's the picture of the ghost at the Cecil. Oh my, no. Yeah. It it looks like a man jumping out of the window. You see, you could tell like it's a person. Yeah. He's with like transparent. Yes. Jacket. Like, Oh my goodness. That is terrifying. Yeah. So after taking this picture, the poor kid, like he started having nightmares. He couldn't sleep. It costed him like nights worth of rest and he just said that something made him look up mm-hmm. and he just noticed that there is this, you know, person looking like he was about to jump out of the window. So he takes this picture and he documents it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's it's really, really insane. Um, it's not really documented which room the Black Dahlia was mm-hmm. probably working her tricks in. Sure. Um, a lot of people believe that it was the 14th floor. But that's where a lot of the activity happens. And then you have people that are coming into the light saying, well, you know, we took the elevator and the elevator you sure. know, just felt really, really off. And I just have this feeling that if you're walking into a place like this, mm-hmm. knowing the history, you're going to instantly come up with all these feelings yeah. and 
I almost believe people who are like a little bit skeptical Mm -hmm. and then I'm I'm more apt to believe them than, yeah, I think you do, you can convince yourself of anything. Mm -hmm. So if you go into it knowing that the elevator is, quote, weird or you're going to find things that most likely will fit your narrative, it's the people that are passing by unsuspecting that Mm -hmm. didn't know the history. Those I'm more prone to believe because it's just so easy to convince yourself, but it's so hard to convince yourself out of what you've seen. You know what I mean? Yes. That's so crazy. It's really crazy. And I'm going to like step away from this light, but um, just a little story time. I'm originally from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I come from another haunted city. And (laughs) they're um, everywhere. They're everywhere. (laughs) But here it's it's very thick. Mm -hmm. And in that city, it's it's, it's a lot of stories. And I have a lot of stories to tell of that city. But um, one story in particular, it was back in 2008. My sister and I go to this place off of Carrollton Avenue. And it's notorious for the graveyards. But there's Mm. this one structure in particular is called the mortuary and it's the mortuary because back in the 1800s it was oh wow so during katrina well before katrina the mortuary was supposed to be turned into a spa and salon Mm -hmm. and then katrina hit all like the process of construction stopped it was at a halt they never came back but um one of the reasons that they never came back to deal with that is because uh the building was refuge for a lot of transients Mm -hmm. and homeless people so my sister and I, we go to this place called the Mortuary, and at the time it was called the Haunted Museum. And it was bought by, <laughs> yes, oh baby, it gets better. So it was bought by a couple from Atlanta, and I met them. They're oh, wow. a young couple. One woman, um, the woman who was, you know, the girlfriend of the guy that owned it, mm. um, was a medium. Oh, wow. And he owned a bookstore in Atlanta. They moved to New Orleans. They buy this building. They, they turn it into a haunted museum of um, actual ghost hunting equipment with dolls that they collected from Anne Rice. They're there. Um, there's the second level, which uh, they created a couple of rooms, one being the waking room where, you know, wakes mm-hmm. would happen, a seance room with a seance table. Mm-hmm. And they had a humongous room of Ouija boards, of antique Ouija boards no. and planchets. So Please, no. here's the thing. My sister and I, we knew of the back history that mm-hmm. this was a mortuary. And at times they did turn it into a, you know, a haunted fun house. Sure. Uh, which they kept that part of the building open because it was also for a study of fear. Oof. So they kept the basement open with all the attractions to study fear. So well, you I'm, could. I'm very afraid. <laughs> so we so we go there. Um, we pay the fee, and the two docents are like, "Okay, so what we do? We don't tell you the history of the place. We want you to go and experience it yourself. Sure. We want you to take notes. Mm-hmm. Great plan, because I, I don't love, know anything. Yeah, I love that. We go to the second floor, and that's when shit starts to hit the fan. My sister and I, like I said in the first episode, we carry like a sixth sense Mm -hmm. all of us do Mm -hmm. we have like some form of empath sensibility for my sister she feels she has headaches she gets ringing in her ears she at times you know even gets nosebleeds she's sensitive in that way to where i see and i smell i i don't know my smell comes into play it's weird it's so crazy so we go into the seance room my sister immediately gets a migraine oh no and then we go into the room with the Ouija boards. 
and it gets really bad. She's like, I can't, I can't, I can't be here. And then I, I then soon start to smell what smells like cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably the people that, you know, were walking through. They probably smoke. So we go straight into another room and then all of a sudden, like her, her migraine stops, starts to ease a bit. And then I start to smell what smells like lavender and lilac. I'm like, what, what's a Glade plug-in around yeah. here? Like, what is that? I've never smelled that before. <laughs> I look out the window and I see like what looks like this fabric floating by. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just a flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and the homes in New Orleans, a lot of times the owners have flags, you know, mm. outside of their house just to pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, explain to everyone else like where they come from or represent a season sure. or celebrate Mardi Gras. They have them there. And I thought, okay, maybe the house has that. We go down, we speak with the docent, and we tell him, okay, you know, this is what we experience. And he's like, that's amazing. So my sister ended up feeling those migraines because uh, when they were renovating the house, the mortuary, they found the body of a young transient who had died of a brain hemorrhage. Whoa. And what my sister most likely felt was probably her energy. Oh, my goodness. And she was called, her nickname was Peanut. Mm-hmm. She was known around the area. And that's how they were easily, they were able to easily identify sure. her. Around Peanut were empty packs of marble reds. Whoa. Which was the smell of cigarettes that I was sensing. Can't you believe that? Oh my goodness. I tell him about my experience and he said, oh yeah, that's where the woman in white is located. Her room is is the door that's locked no, no one can go in her room no, you know no. that's what we agreed with her i was like what you, you talked that's talk. what we agreed. we agreed with her oh. like oh you have tea with the woman in white right oh. you know it's um she is known to she makes her presence known when you start to smell her perfume which is a lilac lavender scent oh my goodness she's in white um there's no, no flags there were no flags outside because i told him yeah I, do you guys have flags outside he's like no that you probably saw her walking by Son of a bitch. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> so she's mainly felt in that room. And he was even telling me, yeah, my wife is always in constant communication with her because she's a medium. Mm-hmm. And before we bought this house, you know, she was in communication sure. with her. So that's why they have this weird agreement. Yeah. That's it, crazy. It, isn't that insane? Is that insane? But, you know, it just, you go into a place not knowing the history yes. and the stories and you just, you know, just take it for what it is yeah but these people are going in knowing the history and they're probably you know creating such a fluff with it you know Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have felt like a sense of a sense of dread and negativity yeah i mean can i just say briefly that you could not get me to go into a room full of ouija boards ever (laughs) we freaked out as too much the way it was set up it was crazy and i like the design of it. Sure. I think it's a beautiful design. Yeah, it's that cool, like, early <laughs> circusy kind of feel. Yes. Like the 1910s. I like it. Yes. The fonts, everything, the planchette, it comes with accessories. Yes. But, I mean, even, like, the antique ones were, like, scary looking. I, I can't. And like, I know that's, like... We froze when we walked into the room. It's so, like, silly, maybe, or superstitious. And, like, I do not fuck with that. It freaks me out. Ouija board specifically really terrifies me. Oh, no, they do. Like, there have been reports of people who have unknowingly played with them. Like, they just don't take it seriously mm-hmm. and they regret it. You mm-hmm. have to learn how to respect who you're, com- sure. who you're communicating with and learn how to end the session. That's what gets a lot of people in trouble. They don't know how to use it. They disrespect it. 
Um, you don't know what you're bringing in, and then people don't close that door. They don't know Ugh. how to close. They don't know how to end the session. And I know that there's a there is a safer way of using those things, but I avoid it. I just avoid. It, yeah. you don't know what you're inviting in. Yeah, you don't. Um, Oof. Paranormal investigators have stayed there, and the EVPs that they've collected, especially after um, Elisa Lam was found mm-hmm. dead in the tank. They keep on coming up with two voices, one of a young woman who is always being heard saying, we were killed. Then another one was recorded saying, taken, up, down, peace. One paranormal investigator stated that he believes that Lisa Lamb was killed, Mm -hmm. that someone may have been following her, Mm -hmm. probably someone in the hotel. And that all she wants was like, you know, she was found up in the tank and now she was probably, you know, laid to rest and she wants peace. Mm. And I think it's like all these people trying to communicate with her. Sure. Part of her is there. She's like, dude, I just want peace. Mm-hmm. Like, leave me alone. I just want to, I just want peace. Yeah. Oh. The other one of the gentlemen is very negative. They believe that it's the spirit of Richard Ramirez or other victims, but it's a very angry voice um, that says, get out. Don't turn on the light. Oh, no. Um, another one is saying, leave. And another one is saying, get the fuck out. Oof. Yeah. So there's been speculations, too, in relation to Elisa Lamb's death, mm-hmm. that it was possession. That, yeah. That, was it Richard Ramirez coming back from the dead? Um, was she seeing the spirit of Richard Ramirez? Did he, did, you know, was there some possession Mm -hmm. that occurred but in my opinion i don't think so i don't think it was because he was such a violent man he would have been very messy he would have i felt like if it was a possession she would have slit her throat she would have done something a little more way more graphic and horrible yeah but who knows who knows at this point yeah so that you don't you don't think it was a possession i personally don't you know i I feel like it was like you said before, we talked about this mm-hmm. before recording and we'll touch on it again. I feel like it was someone from the inside. Yes. I feel I think that's where is, I fall a little more too. Yeah. Uh, like I said, if it was Richard Ramirez that came back from the dead and she saw his ghost, I feel that it could have been something mm-hmm. way more violent. I think what we can see on the elevator footage mm-hmm. is otherworldly. I think that portion of her evening there is something happening that Mm -hmm. is not normal and that is not explainable by normal methods i think you talked about it especially Mm -hmm. like the way her hands move is not anatomically what you would be able to do Mm -hmm. i think she is seeing something i think that then was met with someone who took advantage of that situation, yeah. whether they weren't open to the paranormal that she was experiencing and just took advantage of her break with reality. That seems more plausible to me because I agree. I think had there been some kind of violent marks on her, it would maybe lead more in line with her actions in the elevator. I think that in the elevator, she is for sure experiencing something that only she was able to see. And that that situation was taken advantage of by someone who was able to get her to that roof. Exactly. Terrifying. Exactly. That, you just took the words out of my mouth. Terrifying. I 
believe in that. Yeah. What you just said, I was just going to say, what was your conclusion? You just pretty much hated it. And that's how I feel. Uh, That's how I feel. There's, I mean, there's so many people working Mm. in that hotel. Mm -hmm. There are so many people and you just don't know who's walking in and out. Mm. And And there's no cameras to show us. So (laughs) (laughs) there's not a lot of footage. Well, that was another thing too, like that they noticed about the media when they were going back Mm. and forth with the footage, they noticed that there was a jump edit. Mm-hmm. That something was cut out. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh. That's scary. Like, you just just never know, like, what the media can even curate. And I feel like that is such a, you know, we will never know the answer to so many of these types of stories. There's just too many unexplainable things. But I feel like where I fall in a grander spectrum is somewhere in the balance between, I don't know that I ever believe that it's fully otherworldly do you know what i mean i don't there's so many things that i think we can't explain or that logic does kind of raise too many questions but then there's just enough of that unknowable essence that it's like well but there's that meeting of the paranormal and the real world is also full of terrible people who Mm -hmm. will do bad things as well and they don't need the help of a ghost or a demon or a ouija board they themselves are the problem. And I think it's that intersection. Right. Th- that's sort of where I fall on the spectrum of like, yeah, there are things that we can explain that are then merged with things that we can. And that is so intriguing and terrifying to me. I agree. Ugh. I agree. But there's also, you know, those people yeah. with that energy, they can always stay and always manifest. Yes. And... You know, we'll go into great detail about mm-hmm. that when we talk about our job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm sure everybody's like, what is going on at their job? Like, it's a, it's, <sighs> there's a lot of shit that has mm-hmm. happened on that property yes. dating decades and decades and decades back. Mm-hmm. And we're going to definitely cover it because there's a lot to cover with that story. Yes. But that will be later on in our podcast series, yes. guys. But, Shall we take it to a close Let's now? Let's take it to a close. <laughs> this was intense. Sufficiently terrified. I so. know. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Hollyweird Paranormal. Don't drink the water. Ever. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We're also on Intune. We just got approved. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is the whole process of starting a podcast. Like, you got to wait several days for these yeah. you know, sites to pretty much validate. But we're on there. You yes. can find us, stalk us at Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Paranormal and on Twitter at HWP Podcast. All right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Bye, Bye, guys. Bye.